What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 41. Bet Parks presents Stick to Hockey Live. Jason Martinez, Anthony DeMarco from the fourthperiod.com, going to join us in just a moment. And uh, we've got a lot to discuss today. There's a lot of, a lot of logs on the rumor fire. So we'll discuss all of them from Proveroff to Hayes and much more. Plus the team back in action tonight to take on the Washington Capitals and uh, coming off their first shutout of the season, Sam Arison with a 28 save goose egg. So lots to get into here on this edition of Bet Parks presents Stick to Hockey Live. Let me tell you about Bet Parks. It is a fantastic casino and sportsbook app. It's right here. This casino it fits in my pocket, it fits in your pocket, it fits in everybody's pocket because it's mobile. And it's fantastic. It's easy to use, faster to win than ever before. Easy to open up an account, deposit, payouts, the whole thing. You can bet on uh, player performances, first score, over-unders on player performances, passing yards, rushing yards, touchdowns, points and hoops, goals, points, you name it, power play points, combination, same game parlays, live in-game betting, you name it. It's their futures. You want to get in on the action? It's all laid out there for you very simply on the Bet Parks app. So make sure you download it. And uh, like I said, it's easy to sign up, fun to use, and faster to win than ever before. And all Bet Parks users can use that promo code JASON750. That's going to get you a free $750 risk free bet for new and existing users. So plug in JASON750, terms and conditions to apply. Uh, you do need to be over 21 and present in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And it's the new year now and a great time to visit the brand new, not brand new, but the new showroom of Conquerville Subaru and Route 202 in Glen Mills. It is a great place. And uh, my son's still going, yo, dad, let's go. I, I'm 16 now. Let's go get the car. Uh, but not quite there yet. He's got to get the permit and the whole thing. But anyway, uh, Subaru is a fantastic dealership, Conquerville Subaru. And they were the first Love Promise Dealer of the uh, Year award winner back in 2015. They still support great charities in the area, including eight years supporting Namor Children's Hospital of Delaware. Uh, they've adopted the 15 classrooms at Marcus Hook Elementary School once again this year. And they continue the donation this time of year, especially of thousands of coats to La Humanidad Hispana in Kennett Square. They've done that for over a decade. And the new year is a great time to head down to that great showroom over 202 in Glen Mills. Check out the certified pre-owned inventory and all the new Subaru vehicles on site. Matter of fact, grab one for a test drive. Uh, as great as Conquerville Subaru is, they got a great service department as well. So make sure you check that out and you get a free car wash with every visit. Visit ConquervilleSubaru.com. Visit the showroom on Route 202 in Glen Mills. And remember that Concordville cares. All right, let's get to them right now. Episode 41 commences with uh, Anthony DeMarco from the fourth period.com. What's going on, Ant? Not too much, buddy. How's you doing? How are you doing today? I'm doing good. It's uh, kind of, uh, you know, the second half of the season ready to begin. We're 41 down, 41 to go. And it's weird, Ant, because it feels to me like, you know, 41 games in that there's been a lot that we've learned already. But I still think there's a ton to learn going forward. You know, players that, especially young players that maybe have taken a step forward, you know, it's good that they've taken a step forward. Now they got to prove they can do it over the long haul. Yeah, for sure. Like guys like Noah Cates, Owen Tippett, maybe to a lesser extent, Morgan Frost, I think have had really good seasons here to this point relative their, to their expectations. And even Wade Allison, I think, since returning from injury, has meshed very well with Kevin Hayes and Scott Lawton on that third line, if you want to call it that. And Cam York has really stepped up since his recall after starting, what, the first two months in Lehigh Valley. So, you know, we talked about last week that there are not, there are not a lot of the young players. And, you know, when we say young, we're not counting the Sandheims and the Provrovs and the Konechnys of the world. 
but there's not a lot of the young players who have really kind of outright disappointed this year. And even a guy like Sam Urson in net, Felix Sandstrom, I mean, depending on what you were expecting him to be, maybe he disappointed. Faraby, if you want to group him into that other group just based on age, but maybe not based on tenure, was kind of disappointing early on in the season. But all in all, I don't think that there's one guy that you could pinpoint to say, ah, he's really been a disappointment this year. I mean, to me, like the biggest two storylines from the first half of the season aren't necessarily individual players and their performances, even though Konechny is a fantastic storyline, the way he's playing. To me, the two biggest storylines are, A, that uh, John Tortorella is holding firm with creating a standard of accountability, and B, and not not like it's far off from the first one, but the second one is that the commitment to playing young players to find out exactly what you have. To me, that's the two biggest elements that I've taken from the first half of the season. Yeah, I really think that Tortorella has given all these players all the chances in the world to succeed. Like, look at Morgan Frost, and he's been very tough on Morgan Frost at times, but he's essentially been their number one center for, what, a month now, playing between guys like JVR and Owen Tippett, getting top power play time a lot. And I think that Frost, you know, at times has given John Tortorella reason to give him more, and then at times has shown that he still has a long way to go before being considered an everyday top six NHLer. But it's nice to see that he's consistently getting those opportunities. You look at a guy like Owen Tippett, like he's almost been a staple on that top power play unit from day one. You look at Cam York playing alongside Pro Rob on that top pair. Noah Cates is basically like the the coach. I don't want to say the coach's pet because he works his ass off and deserves to be where he is, but he's clearly one of the top guys in the eyes of the coach. And I think that he's going to be a fixture of this team for a very long time. So it's been nice to see Tortorella not really have an an overly short leash with a lot of these guys and understanding all of their expectations relative to each player. And you can't just come in and say, okay, if you make one mistake, then you're going to fly down the, down the depth chart. And I think at times earlier in the season, each of those guys has kind of taken a hit, specifically Morgan Frost and Cam York starting in the AHL. But once Tortorella is committed to giving them a shot, he's really given them a long runway. Yeah, to me, what Torts is doing is like bleeding the air out of a, a fuel line. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you got to make some mistakes. You got to bleed the air out of it, and to get to to get to the uh, the potent fuel. And he's willing to to let these guys make some mistakes, especially if the mistakes are of an aggressive nature, trying to make a play. And you know, if if you're not going to work, I think that's the other part of it. Is we talk about the standard and accountability. If you're not going to work and you know, meet towards for the, his non-negotiables, then you're going to sit. And we've seen several guys. We saw Konechny sit a period. We've seen Hayes sit twice and be scratched. We saw Tony D'Angelo now scratched and sit two periods, basically. Um, we've seen it from big-name players. And, you know, we saw from some lesser-known players earlier in the season. But overall, I think that's the big thing. You know, a couple of guys that are on the come right now, um, you know, you mentioned Tippett, you mentioned Frost. But there's two other guys that I think are are starting to really round into form. Uh, one of them was Wade Allison. I think he's really you're starting to see his game come back since he came back from that injury with the hip. But the other guy's Joel Faraby. I think we're starting to see the elements of Joel Faraby prior to his surgery in the last couple of years, and that's something I'm going to be circling for the remainder of this season. Is what does Faraby look like? Because I've contended, Ant, that. I, you know, Torch has been pretty tough on Farabee this year and not letting him use the, the surgery or an injury as an excuse. 
I've contended it right away that he'd be a player that Torch would really like when at full volume, at full speed and, and full health. Yeah, especially given the fact that he's young enough to be a long-term part of this team, but he's also been already an NHL player for two seasons at this point. Yeah. So you were expecting Joel Faraby to really take that next step because, yes, he was part of the younger group, but he's already been a full-time NHLer for two full calendar years. But obviously coming off of that very serious surgery that Jack Eichel had, he was slow to get out of the gate. And Torts basically said it a few weeks ago, like, you can't keep using that as an excuse. And look, Farabee's a guy that they've already committed long-term here to. He's already making $5 million a year. So it also can't come with, a, like, well, you know, he's maybe struggling, but, you know, they're not paying him that much. Like, no, he's already being paid like a top six NHL winger. And he wasn't performing like that. And I think that he has benefited from some shooting luck, like the the goal against, uh, was it Craig Anderson the other night where it looked no. like he fell down halfway, tried to make the save. He but I mean, something not. <laughs> yeah, I know. And you got to give credit to Craig Anderson. He's what, 42 years old and he's still playing good NHL hockey. But like 20 save percentage. <laughs> exactly. It's crazy. But it's good to see Joel Farabee start to pick up some points now because sometimes you just need those confidence boosters, even if it is a lucky goal here and there, even if you don't quote deserve it, because I do think Joel Farabee is going to be a good player long time for a long time in the NHL. But as we've said in past shows is that if you're a winger on this team, specifically one with that middle six potential, I don't think that you could just bank on you having a surefire spot here for eternity because this is a team as we've broken down as you broke down with Alex Appleyard is probably stocked with a lot of players in their pipeline that has that middle six top potential. Yeah. And you may have to use some of that to try and get a higher end guy, Mm -hmm. you know, multiple pieces to get one at some point. I don't know when that point is. I don't know that that's, you know, this off season or, or what it is, but there's a couple of big names out there. I know you wrote about it on the fourth period.com. Elliot Friedman kind of busted it out the other day on 32 thoughts. I guess it was Monday's edition and brought Provorov's name into the equation. You also have Hayes name in the equation. Let's talk about them individually. First, let's start with Provorov. Cause basically what, uh, what um, Fried said was, you know, Provorov is, is a guy that, and the flyers, you know, it may be best for parties to, to split amicably as possible, uh, Provorov, we know, is a very, very high intense competitor, and that drives a lot of his maybe frustration with where the team is and, and the situation. Um, you know, what are you hearing on Provorov? Is to me, this seems like a move that's more ticketed for an offseason. But when Fridge mentions it, you know, you, you start to think maybe this is something that could happen in season. Well, you know, it's in its very early stages, and as Freed stressed, I would concur, not that he needs me to confirm his report, but it isn't imminent. This isn't a deal that's going to be rushed or is a slam dunk to happen before the trade deadline, but I do think it's something that now is going to happen. You know, going back to last season, his name was kind of thrown out there moderately, but every time I asked about him, I always got the same response, is that they didn't want to trade him in an ideal world, but he wasn't untouchable. And we had talked about as well. I was told the same thing that the best case scenario was that even if you wanted to trade him or you wanted to keep him was for him to elevate his game back to where it was two, three years ago. Now, I don't think he's elevated his game back to 2019, 20, but I still think he's been better than last season. When last season, he was just downright bad. Most of the year. I think that Provorov, 
kind of to what you had just said, and this is kind of me connecting dots. I reached out to his camp. I think that it's him that's kind of got the ball rolling here because I still think that there's a there's a part of the Flyers who have a fear of moving on from him and then kind of pigeonholing a Cam York into the same situation. Are they going to make the same mistake with another player by force feeding that new player, whether it be York, whether it be Sanheim, whether it be a combination of both, too much heavy deployment too fast? And I think what's happened with Provorov over the bulk of his career is that he's been asked to do too much too often and play way above his head and at times play with guys who don't belong on a top pair. Yeah. I think this year has been more on the player. I've been a stout defender of Provorov for a long time, but I think this year you've seen a lot of other a lot of talent around him play up to their standards and him not elevate his game. Like, look, a Tony D'Angelo, I think the last two months has dragged everyone down around him. I think Sanheim suffered when playing with D'Angelo. But you look at how Cam York has played when he's come up. You look at how Ristolainen has played the last 30 games. Like, if you go by the analytics strictly over the last 30 games, there's a case to be made that uh, Ristolainen has been their best defenseman, strictly by analytics, not if you account for eye test. And I don't think Provorov has really taken advantage of that enough on a night-to-night basis. And I think that to your point, the losing has beat him down. Our, our buddy Anthony Sanfilippo wrote about that in his story as well on Crossing yeah. Broad. And I think that we're starting to see that maybe Provorov isn't ready to be a part of a rebuild here. Yeah. And and the thing is, any deal with Provorov, there, and Fridge mentioned this, there, there's a reluctance because if you trade him, you could see him in the right situation with the right partner on a top pair flourishing kind of like he did in 1920 with Matt Niskanen and you got you have this seller's remorse right and the thing about Provorov is any deal because because of his contract he got two years after this at 6.75 which is highly palatable for a top pairing guy and you know that maybe helps the return a little bit but the thing about it is is this deal has to be the right deal yeah. You cannot miss on the deal with the return because of what you're giving up and what he could potentially be in another situation. Because if he goes to another team, say you trade him anywhere, wherever you trade him, and he's a top pairing guy and it's legit and they got a good top pairing and they have a lot of success, and you end up with some middle of the road, middle, you know, six or not top pairing replacements, then you're going to look bad. You got to nail this one. This kit, this has to have a good return attached to it because the team that's going to acquire him has to look at it in the light that he just needs a change of scenery, not that he's a depressed value, uh, depressed value player. And, you know, I won't even say Konechny is in this like stratosphere because of the nature of his position as a winger. Yeah. But I think aside from Hart, Provorov's the only guy that you could move to get a really franchise-changing return. Significant and return, yeah. Significant return because he has proven that he, in the past on two separate occasions in terms of seasons, has played like a number one defenseman. And I think that the consensus around the league is that he's still a number two and, you know, you look at that cap hit and like you said on 32 Thoughts, they said that it's still a good, a reasonable cap hit for the way he's playing. And if he can elevate his game even to a rock solid number two, that's a hell of a good price tag. Yeah. You know, $6.75 million, you know, like in a world where Darnell Nurse's game paid, what, over nine? Yeah. Provorov at 6.75 is very good, even though it's just for two years. 
And I do think there's a reluctance and there has been a reluctance because it's not like the Flyers have an in-house replacement here. Like they have a lot of talent coming on that back end, but I don't see anyone who projects to be a number one defenseman. Like is Cam York that guy? I think that's a stretch. I think Sanheim is what he is. Zamula, I don't think he's going to be that. He's probably a third pairing guy. You have Emil Andre, but how's his game going to translate to North America? And, you know, that's a t- it's tough to find these types of defensemen. And he's a guy that, you know, for years was considered one of the untouchable skaters on this team. And obviously, I think that a lot has gone sideways the last few years. Some of it his fault, some of it the team's fault. But all in all, like you said, like, I think that they're just starting to realize that he's a guy that doesn't want to be part of this. I just think he's had it in a lot of ways. And I think that he thinks that he could be a better player elsewhere. And I would agree. Like if you send him to like the low hanging fruit is the Los Angeles Kings. So we'll just Mm -hmm. use them as an arbitrary example. Uh, Like if you go, if he goes to the Los Angeles Kings and he's playing alongside Drew Doughty, like that's exactly what they need. Or if you, if he gets traded to let's say the Edmonton Oilers and he's playing second pair with let's say like a Tyson Berry, like, I think that's a situation where he's going to thrive on more talented teams in a lesser role and out of a market that, quite frankly, has really turned on him over the last 24 months. You know, the thing is, too, one of the elements of his value, and is the fact that, you know, when I'm trading for a player, I want to make sure that the, the player I trade for and what I give up um, provides me with a guy that's going to be in the lineup. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't want that injury risk player. And if there's one thing we can say about Proveroff with consistency is the guy answers the bell. He's in tremendous physical condition, always ready to go, durable player that plays a lot of minutes. And if if I'm giving up something, I want to know that what I'm getting is going to be on the ice, not in the tr- on the training table. Yeah. And that is an element, you know. to me, it's the biggest thing in sports. It doesn't matter how good you are if you're not available. And he's always available. The only games he's missed were because of COVID protocol. Asymptomatic COVID protocol. Which he was upset about. He was pissed. (laughs) And there's another element to Provorov, and I know that we can't remove all of the other seasons out of this, but I tend to take when the chips are down hockey very seriously so like playoff Mm -hmm. hockey when you're one of the best teams and if you look in the seasons where the flyers were atop their division close to the top of the eastern conference in 17 18 19 20 where the team was competitive he was very good yeah and you could make point year and then the year with niskanen too yeah and and those were the years that people were saying like okay this guy's like approaching top 10 defense status you know he's probably going to contend for norris one year and then you look at his playoff track record, 17-18 as a sophomore. He plays with, what, a dislocated shoulder, I think it was. Yeah. Was absolutely devastated when they when they Got lose. Yeah. And then in the 1920 bubble playoffs, I think with aside from Carter Hart, he was absolutely their best player. Yeah. He played rock solid in that playoff series. Or in those two, in, in the playoffs as a whole, I should say. And that's saying something because I think you saw Pairing and Sanheim and Myers really get overmatched. And I don't think Niskin was as the good Islanders. as yeah. against the Islanders. And I think that that counts for something. And obviously, it's tough to just look at those two seasons because those were the only two seasons since Profro has been in the NHL that they have been a competitive team and have made the playoffs. So it's hard to discount his other, what, five regular seasons. 
Yeah. But <clears throat> I do think that there's something to be said of a guy who really rises to the occasion when the chips are down and the play really matters. And I think that speaks to him as a competitor. And I think that's the same reason why I've always kind of been, you know, against the whole like Carter Hart slander at times, because he is a guy that over a short sample size of his career has played the best when the hockey mattered the most. And another thing on Provorov is early last season, pardon me, in 2021-22, the first month where the Flyers were looking like they'd be a competitive playoff team, he was playing excellent hockey as well. And aside for four games, that was with without Ryan Ellis. So I do think a lot of this has to do with Provorov not having a partner and a part of it of him not being able to elevate his partner's game. But I also think it has to do with him just taking losing really badly and him really only being able to elevate his play to the highest level when the games really do matter. You know, the other thing, too, is I would think he would be more beloved here because he takes losing badly and because he is a guy that answers the bell and plays a lot of games. And, and I mean, he was gutted in that 17-18 when he could barely lift his arm and they lost. And you know, you would think that that's got all the ingredients of being loved in Philadelphia. And I just don't get the sense that he is right now. Maybe that's more a state of the team than it is Provorov. And the fact that people just, I think, went right to the Norris thing with Provorov way too early. Like, I don't think he's that kind of player, um, which isn't to say he's not good. But Norris is, you know, a Norris caliber defenseman is more of an offensive defenseman. I don't think that's ever going to be his game, although he does have good offensive abilities. Uh, let's talk about Hayes because you know, he's another guy you mentioned in your article on the fourth period.com and, and, you know, Hayes going to an all-star game. Um, it's a good story. And, you know, his brother, late brother, Jimmy Hayes, his son, Bo Hayes will be there and it, it'll be very, very good story and emotional, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, it's been up and down for Hayes. It, it really has, brought his game back after what looked like a period of maybe sulking a little bit after the scratch against the Rangers, his game is elevated. Once again, we've heard Frege mentioned that, you know, buyout, I think that probably came from his agent and that doesn't make any sense to me because I'm not spreading out that pain. It, it, if you're going to move him to me, you retain because that makes a lot more sense to me fiscally for the flyers. But is this a player that they could, you know, look to move and if they retain you know, it, it, you're looking at what he makes a year. If they retain and it's basically four and a half million dollars for a player like Kevin Hayes, all of a sudden the market maybe opens up a little bit. Yeah, you know, like uh, I was told uh, over the weekend in kind of an indirect way by some with the Flyers that this is a, this is a guy that they're maybe looking to move now. And I got the sense that, you know, like, and I don't think this is a big secret that he is at odds with the coach. He isn't maybe particularly happy about the situation. And I was told you find someone that you could who will take that contract and you let us know. And I kind of poked around on it from a league wide perspective, because last month I had had a Western Conference executive tell me that he did think there'd be a market for Hayes. And this was before this was still when they were projecting the cap to shoot up to like 88, 89 million dollars. So then I checked in with another league source from another team uh, yesterday. And I said, do you think that there'd be a market for Kevin Hayes? And he said, if they're willing to eat a chunk of that salary, absolutely. So I said, what are we talking here? 30%, which would make Hayes a $5 million player. He said, at least. He said, if you're able to make him in that 4 to $5 million range, 
there will probably be a good market for him. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's fair because if you look what second line centers go for, and you could refer to the two guys that signed the contracts last year, Ryan Strom, who got five by five, Vincent Trocek, who got seven years at 5.65, five, I think. Would you rather commit that kind of money and term to 30-year-olds, or would you rather trade an asset for Kevin Hayes, who's still been producing at a good level offensively over the last 12 months. And if you go back four years time to the beginning of 1819, he's averaged about 55 points per 82 games. And I know people don't like that, but it's like the guy hasn't played a full 82 game season since 1819 due to injuries and COVID. So you kind of have to average his point totals out over 82 games. Would you rather just commit three years to him and make him a four and a half million dollar player? And I know a lot of people have kind of turned on Hayes and hate him and, you know, he's lazy and obviously he's not towards his favorite player. But you still can't discount the fact that he has over his career been a 50 point guy recently has shown that he could give you a bit more than that is having his best offensive season to date right now. And if you make him a four to five million dollar player, you can't help but think that not at least a few teams would really take a hard look at this guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that when you look at that number and then you consider that term that, you know, like Trocheck and Strom got, yeah, <clears throat> that that's the part that makes it tough. Like I saw that contract when Trocheck signed, I was like, woof, it's a long time. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And that's what free agency is though. You know, guys are always looking for term. Uh, Windows 95 checks in and says retaining money counts against the cap for all the years of the contract too. I'd rather dump the contract for nothing just to get the cap. You you don't get the cap space back, buddy. You can't just, these are guaranteed contracts. You don't, yeah. you can't just dump a contract. They're, they're not going to work like that. Holmes. They're not going to move him <laughs> if they don't retain. And yeah. And that's just the fact of the matter. And that's not because Hayes is the worst player in the NHL or Chuck Fletcher is not a good GM because that's anytime you mention anything now, we jump to that and I get it that people are pissed. But Max Pacioretty is a perennial 30 goal scorer and he got given away for free. So, I mean, it's tough to move very good players now. I mean, dump via trade. I'm not, okay, well. I mean, dump via trade. Well, well, you didn't say that Windows 95. Well, they want to get Windows 98. <laughs> the, the thing is, is that you, you, teams aren't going to absorb yeah, the full contract. There, let me just explain it this way, Ann. There's a GM on the other side that is not here with a button to push to bail out the flyers. There's yeah. nobody's going to do that. It, look, you're not going to just make this one-sided trade just to help you and impugn somebody else. It's not going to work that way. So, like, I, I know you... Look, Windows 95, I agree with you. I'd love to just make the deal and go, I don't even care what I get. I'm losing all the I'm getting all the cap space. But it doesn't nobody's going to do that. There's somebody on the other side that's gonna say, dude, why am I bailing you out? Where's my upside? You know, it doesn't work like that. So it's one of the things like I learned in sports radio. You know, callers calling up and going, trade this guy, just get rid of him. What there's not there's a GM on the other side. That's not Helen Keller. That's not, you know, just going to do you a favor and blind to the situation. But I would also suggest that like, do the flyers need, like, let's say they, they want to eat $3 million. You make him a $4 million player, because then I think if you make Hayes a $4 million player, you're going to have more than one team inquiring about his services, Mm -hmm. because now you're really starting to look at like a bargain option here. You're getting a 50 point 
low end second line center for four million dollars. Yeah. Would it's you rather a ton of cap? Yeah. It's not gonna eat a ton of cap. And I'm looking at where the Flyers are at organizationally and where the cap is going to go in two, three years from now. And I'm saying, do you need that three million dollars of cap space right away? Like based on where the Flyers are at organizationally, or would you rather get an asset? I and I think I, yeah, I don't think the Flyers are going to go out this summer and start shopping with all this cap space they get from JVR coming off the books and potentially moving on from Hayes or moving on from Provorov and start flying, you know, throwing money around. I don't think that they're going to be at that point. And let's say by 2024-25, you have the salary cap near $90 million. You probably are can stomach having $3 million of dead money paying Kevin Hayes, but you walked away See, with I don't look at it as $3 million of dead money. I look at it as $4 million of space. Exactly. <laughs> and, and that's the offset. So, like, I like, and to go back on my last point is like Max Pacioretty, who was a perennial 30 goal scorer, was given away for free by the, Car- yeah. uh, by the Vegas Golden Knights, the Carolina Hurricanes. You know, JVR six months ago couldn't get traded away unless a first round pick was attached to him. And now he might be one of the more coveted players at the NHL trade deadline because his salary is expiring. So it's just it's the unfortunate landscape of the NHL right now from a financial point of view that moving money even for good players is tough. It's very, very tough. Yeah. Um, Joey B out in Colorado says, Mert Anthony, how does a player like Tage Thompson get cut traded by St. Louis? Huge fail coach on coaching in St. Louis. I don't think so. I think he's just one of those guys that was a late bloomer. I mean, you look at it, he gets traded from St. Louis in that Ryan O'Reilly deal. His first couple of years in Buffalo, I mean, his highest goal total prior to last season was 12. Then last year, he's got 31 or 35. This year, he's already got 31. This is just a guy at 25 years old in six, seven, six foot seven frame that was a late bloomer and may just be a little bit on a heater right now. I don't know if it's sustainable or not. Yeah, and we can't remember, we can't forget that they traded, they got Ryan O'Reilly for him, and he won the Con Smythe in the year that they and won the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, and up until last year, everyone was saying that that's one of the worst trades of the last 10 years or whatever. It's only yeah. recently that they're saying, okay, that's a good, fair hockey trade. And I don't think that St. Louis is crying about it because they walked away with the Stanley Cup and the guy in Ryan O'Reilly was their best player during that cup run. Now their captain maybe won't be their captain for long, depending on what happens at the trade deadline. But look, you have to give to get, you know, sometimes there, there's been you kind of a deal right away. You got to wait until it fully plays out. But there's also kind of been a mentality that is set in here a lot. I think a lot of fan bases are like this, where it's like a deal is only worth making unless it's a ripoff, where if you, yeah. you can't give up any turn kind of value and, and, you know, it always has to be one-sided. It has to be one-sided. But sometimes you just need to make a deal that works out for both sides. And, I mean, I don't think there's been a lot of that in Philadelphia. But, I mean, that's a good example. The Tage Thompson for Ryan O'Reilly deal is one of – a trade that ultimately I think both sides are happy with. Yeah, I agree. They both got something good out of it. And I mean, look, look at, you know, some of the hockey trades. You know, P.K. Subban for – Shea Weber, you know, some of those deals, they they can be good trades um, and both teams benefit. I mean, that's the ideal world. You know, GMs that continually fleece guys tend to get a reputation too. And people go, oh, I don't want to deal with this guy because when he calls, I'm going to get, I'm going to lose. Yeah. Um, Two tweets real quick, Ant, that I just saw that uh, I wanted to bring up. Bill Meltzer tweeted out about Carter Hart's in goal tonight versus the Caps. Same lineup, 
Flyers have won five of six. Caps are 13-3-3, dating back to December 1st. And they also now have Backstrom and Wilson back in the lineup. Carlson is out till late season at soonest. Um, so that's good. That'll be a good game tonight at Wells Fargo Center. I'll be there. Um, and James, I, I don't know how to say his name, Akavone, Yakavone? Yakavone, um, I think. Yakavone, okay. Eh. I, I always see his stuff. I just never knew how to say his name. But he says, um, glad to hear Torts proclaim Clark Hart is the number one goalie. Asinine to see people talking about trading Hart after just five starts from Arison, who was indeed played well. Pump the brakes, though. And I totally agree with Jimmy. You know, I see all this Carter Hart slander and, oh, he's no good. And it's just like, oh, my God, settle down. This guy's played five games in the NHL. I, I love what Harrison does. I love the way he plays and he approaches it. But to, to all of a sudden start shitting on Hart because another guy played five good or four good games is a little asinine to me. Yeah, and look, it's a good story, right? And it's a fun conversation to have, like, you know, because, you know, I was talking to someone with the Flyers over the weekend and, you know, they were telling me just like how it's so crazy to think that they're in this situation right now with like goaltending depth coming out their backside. And it is a fun conversation to have that if maybe one day you're at a position that you could trade one of two starting goalies, especially when you consider what they potentially have coming overseas. But I mean, it is way too premature. They have a very good problems on their hands right now. I think eventually Urson will go back to Lehigh Valley. I do just, just because it's an unfortunate case of what's in his contract that he's the only waiver exempt guy. And, he can play and you know, you've seen a lot of people kind of now start shitting on Felix Sandstrom, but you know, like I was told that they feel that Sandstrom could be a good backup in the in this league. I think that he has those physical tools, but like you brought up last week, I think maybe it's being mentally prepared to be a long-term backup in the NHL from the age of 25, like not even getting a chance to be a starter. But maybe Sandstrom's realistic with himself. Maybe he knows, like, okay, like I'm already in my mid-20s. Maybe I got to carve out a job as an NHL backup in this league. And I think Sandstrom has value too. Like I know a lot of people were saying, oh, wave the guy. Like who cares if he gets picked up? Like, Look, I don't think Sandstrom is like an X factor long term, yeah. but he's still you a decent go from having an embarrassment like too you know too many goalies to not enough goalies in the blink of an eye. That can yeah. happen like that. So, yeah, I, I think you got to protect the situation, and and I'd be fine with Arison going back down and playing a lot of games. He still has not played a ton in North America, and you know I'm not ready to start proclaiming the guy to be the next Pelly Lindbergh as some have done. Um, and great stuff. Uh, read and stuff on the fourth period.com. Give them a follow on Twitter as well at a DeMarco 25. We'll talk next week, brother. Thanks man. Talk to you soon. There he is. Anthony DeMarco on episode 41 of bet parks presents stick to hockey live flyers caps tonight. I'm looking forward to this game tonight. I always like going to see Ovi play because he is just a spectacle and he's a guy that, on the ice, to me, in equipment doesn't look nearly as big as he is. Maybe it's because he just moves so well and the way his equipment hangs on him or the way his equipment, he wears it. I don't know. But when you see him off the ice, like think about a linebacker like Jeremiah Trotter, like 240, and you're like, woofa. Like that's basically Ovi. <laughs> He's a monster off the ice. He is a big man, so... 
we'll be looking forward to that tonight. We'll talk about that coming up uh, on tomorrow and Friday's episode as well. But check out the Bet Parks app. That's what you need to do. Get the casino and sportsbook app right in the pocket. Uh, bring it with you. It's mobile and it's fantastic. Take it from me. It's everything you've wanted in a mobile casino and sportsbook. And it's right in the palm of your hand. It's easy to sign up, fun to use, faster to win than ever before. You can get in on the action tonight. Same game parlays, live in game betting, player performances. Maybe you think Ovi's going to score. Maybe you take an under on Ovi tonight. I don't know. Uh, Carter Hart getting a start. Maybe you got some uh, action you want to put on some player performances there. Exact score. Uh, Caps are running good right now 13 3 and 3 in their, since December 1st. Flyers winners of five to six. Something's got to give. So get in on the action tonight and uh, get the Bet Parks app. Uh, download it today. And you do need to be over 21 and present. Gambling problem? Call one. We're back Friday. Another brand new episode of Bet Parks presents Stick to Hockey Live. Everybody have a great Wednesday. Enjoy your hockey tonight. We'll talk to you next time on Bet Parks presents Stick to Hockey Live. <laughs>